Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday for Easter Sunday, which was the final sermon in our question series, Is There Hope? was the question that we dug into on Sunday. So we did ex- discover and explore the fact that there is hope in Christ. Today we're going to be talking about uh, what we do with that hope. What, uh, what does that hope motivate us to do, and how do we live our lives as Christians in the light of the hope of Jesus Christ? So let's get into it. Sounds good. One thing I find crazy or interesting is how each gospel is significantly, this, this story or the, the resurrection portion of the story or the, the people coming to the tomb mm-hmm. are different in all four gospels. Yep. And I know we talked about this a little bit last year, but you want to touch on that again? Like maybe, maybe you want to touch on the differences or sure. in, you know, maybe in generalities, not Luke says this. And, right. Yeah, you know, definitely. But, but why that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, um, and again, it kind of gets into what every gospel is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like John's gospel is trying to present the Messiah as the one to believe in. Mm-hmm. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is a very John statement to make. And so in his resurrection story, it is very personal. It is just Mary Magdalene. That's the only person that's there. There's no other Mary. There's no other, you know, other women. It is just Mary Magdalene. Mary comes to the garden alone and encounters this gardener. And the gardener tries to, like, prompt her. And it isn't until Jesus says her name is when she finally realizes what's going on. Mm -hmm. That Jesus is the one to believe in. Because Jesus knows us by name and Jesus calls us by name. You know, Matthew's writing to a more Jewish audience and Mark just wants to get the story out there. And actually, um, in the resurrection story, there are two endings to the Gospel of Mark Mm -hmm. that are tied up in the story of the resurrection. One, where the women say nothing because they are afraid. And then another that's been added on later where the women do go to the disciples and tell them that, that this has happened. But the original ending of the Gospel of Mark is that it ends right there. That Jesus appears to the women. They see him raised. They, Jesus tells them to go tell the other disciples. And they don't. Like, they, they are just too afraid. You know, that, and Mark was written very fast, and Mark was written first mm-hmm. of the Gospels. And on Sunday, we read from Matthew's Gospel, which has the two Marys, which has an earthquake, which has, you know things being fulfilled in the way that the resurrection happens. This happens so that this would be fulfilled. Um, it's part of the scripture that we did not read on Sunday, but this was definitely part of what was prophesied about the Messiah. And so we see that reflected in the gospel itself. And so, yes, there are some key differences. Um, it's always at least Mary Magdalene. And then from there, it's a different, you know, cast of characters. Wasn't one of them, is it Luke that has the foot race? Where they're all um, running and one of them is, gets there first? I think that's John. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Which one's right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. I mean, all of them, the, the, the core facts of the story do not change. Was it an earthquake that rolled the tomb away? Was it an angel that rolled the tomb away? Was it, you know, was it Jesus himself that rolled the tomb away? We don't, the, the tombstone away. 
we don't necessarily know, but we don't necessarily need to know. Mm-hmm. Because all we need to know is that the tomb was empty. Right. And that, that Jesus is actually risen. And in all four Gospels, we get that straight. So, Yeah, it's yep. very true. Sussing out which one is correct is, you know, I don't think that's material. I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, what what is written is written. And, you know, I have, we can have a personal favorite. We can have ones that we that we care more for than the others. But as long as the core, as long as the core story stays the core story. Yeah. I think we're good. That makes sense. Yep. So hope. Yeah. Was it a couple weeks ago you said, but Sunday, was it last week or two weeks ago when you said, but Sunday's coming? Yep. That was Palm Sunday. So I, for me, I don't typically remember, or I, I struggle remembering like, Specific things like word for word, what's said. You know, people. Some mm-hmm. people are really good at memorizing Bible verses. Yep. Like that's never been me. Yep. I read it. I understand. I get the idea, but the actual how it's said or the things that are said. Yep. There's a guy at work who can just he'll just start rattling off Bible verses, and I'm like, "Good for you, man!" Yeah. Like <laughs> I remember reading that after you said that. I remember right. reading that. Yep. I, I under you know I kind of understand the context of it, but I could not have done that. You know, we're like, so. What I'm trying to get at is when you said that, that is the, like honestly probably the first time in any sermon I've ever listened to that it has stuck with me hmm. more than 20 minutes after listen, after hearing it. Nice. So I just wanted to say like that, that really is important. I mean, to me, that's been really important. Just mm-hmm. the, the hope that no matter what happens, Sunday is still coming. Right. Like that's huge. Yeah. It's the promise. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we are still, as Christian people, as people of hope, what we are hoping for is the second coming of Christ. We are waiting for the resurrection to happen again, the bodily resurrection where all the faith will be, will be raised and we'll meet Jesus in the, in, in the sky and, you know, Jesus will institute this thousand-year reign and we are waiting for the coming of Christ. That is where we have our ultimate hope placed all of the time. Mm-hmm. And that Sunday is coming. You know, we don't know when Jesus has told us we can't even figure out when we just have to hold faith and hold hope that that day is coming. There is a rabbit trail in that because I'm reading the end of I'm I've, I've been starting at um, at Palm Sunday and just reading through. Uh-huh. And I find that fascinating, too, how they're all different again. Yep. Like I'm reading through Matthew right now and he does this. There's a whole chapter on on. We essentially don't know when. Mm hmm. Jesus is coming back. Yep. I'm like, there's a whole chapter on that, but people keep trying to predict the end of the world. I'm like, it's blatant right here that it's not, we're not going to know. Yes. We're not going to know. So why yep. do they try? And- 2011, one of the people had predicted the date of the end of the world to be like the end of May. Mm-hmm. Ended up being the same day as Sioux Falls Seminary's graduation. Oh, funny. So we had no shortage of fun with that date about, mm-hmm. you know, well, just in time to get our MDiv, here comes Jesus. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the next day I had a meme posted to Facebook that said, that was awkward. And then that verse from Matthew, which says, sure. we do not, Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour. We are just waiting and we are just waiting in hope. I go back to, to the women. I had a question on that. So the women were there, like you had said on Sunday, to prepare the body. And you had mentioned that that was a Jewish tradition. Was it Jewish tradition for the women to do that? Or is that 
any of the friends and family. Yeah, so um, how it works in the Jewish world, according to the commentaries I read this week, is that women were permitted to work on the bodies of both men and women. Men were permitted to work on the bodies of men only. Hmm. There was a there was a line there where they could not work on the body of a dead woman. Interesting. So, yep. Hmm. I don't know if that's because of a lust thing. I don't mean because when you're preparing a body, you're going to see a naked body, and mm-hmm. maybe, you know there's 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 a line of purity there that you know shouldn't be crossed. But mm-hmm. according to the commentaries I read this week, that is the custom. I got done writing my sermon. I didn't feel completely content with it. Um, and so I sent it to a, my friends. I sent it to both Mariah, Pastor Mariah and Pastor Steph. And Stephanie sent back a couple of things. I'm just like, yeah, that's better. And so Friday night, I went back downstairs to my office at the, at the, at the house. And I was like, Lindsay, Steph gave me an idea that I have to play with. And I'm going to go downstairs. And that turned into the entire second half of my sermon. So So you have the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what I was going to talk about is the implicit challenge of the resurrection story. There is an inherent challenge to this story of going and sharing and going and telling. The women are told this story of hope. Mm -hmm. They are given all of the evidence that they need to believe. They put enough hope in the words of the angels, to go to the disciples. They go to them with a message of hope. They go to the disciples. They tell all that has happened. The disciples eventually see for themselves. The disciples eventually believe for themselves. And they spend the rest of their lives sharing this message of hope. Mm-hmm. They take the gospel, what Jesus, you know, as Jesus called them to, they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We can trace the ministries of all the disciples and where they went and how they went and, where, and, and, and what they accomplished. And it was all because of the women. It was all because the women went to them with a story of hope. We live in a time where hope is kind of hard. You know, I talked on Sunday, like there are things that make hope a real risk for us. That hope can be a challenge because the world just feels so freaking weird. You know, we have, you know, like the things I listed on on Sunday, we have COVID. It's still a thing two years later, whether we want it to be or not. You know, mm-hmm. we have, you know, cancer. You know, you know, the world is weird and hope is hard. So the challenge is, as people that have this story of hope, the story of hope, who do we know that needs to hear a story? How can we be the messengers of this story, of this resurrection, of this gospel to the world around us? Who is it in our lives? Who is it in our world that needs to have the story of hope? And we become like the women. We become like the disciples. We become like those, the generation of people that have passed the story on to us. Our job, because the resurrection is real, our job, because Christ is risen, is to be bring that story of hope specifically to the people we can think of, but to everywhere we go, there is a need for this story to permeate our world once again. There's a need in your life and in mine of someone that we know that needs to hear this specific story of hope because this is the story of hope.
It is the hope of Jesus Christ that brings an end to all, or that brings an answer to all of our questions. All the answers to all the questions we have about our lives can ultimately be answered by Jesus and this story of hope. Well, thanks for joining us on the Cut for Time podcast. <laughs> that was fantastic. Like, what else do I need to say? I have been struggling with this question, and it kind of goes along the lines of sharing this with others or sharing this hope with others. Sure. What do we do with, okay, did I, maybe I asked you this. I feel like I've asked some people this and had this conversation. Okay, so we're called to go out and share this with others. <clears throat> What if, and this happens, what if we're turned away? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus tells the disciples to go ahead to the next town, and if, right. if you're turned away, dust your feet off and move yep. on. Like, what are we to do? You know, if we go out and do we keep, do we keep badgering them, or do we, do we keep pressing, right? or do we just move on? Right, yeah, and that's a great question. I don't think that we ever give up because Jesus, you know, our job in, in evangelism is to throw seed. Jesus tells the disciples, pretty on in, in, pretty on in their time together, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, where there is a seed being flung and it falls on four different types of soil, receptive soil, rocky soil, hardened soil, um, and then soil that's going to choke it out, choke, mm-hmm. you know, soil that's already you know, saturated. Our job is to continue to throw seed. How that's received is entirely up to God. Mm-hmm. How that's received is entirely up to the Spirit, Holy Spirit working in Methodist terms proveniently in their lives of making them receptive or not. I don't think that we just continue to present them and present them and present them. I think that we present them and based on how they respond to uh, an invitation to church or you know, whatever it is, you know, can I tell you about my faith? Can I tell you why this is important to me? You know, I think that what we do in the event that they say no, or no, thank you, or go away from me, you're weird. Um, fair, that's mm-hmm. happened. I think our job is to continue to hold them in prayer and continue to live out an authentic Christian witness so that there may be another opportunity. And sometimes we just may not be the person that God's calling to that particular person. You know, I have a parishioner, a former parishioner that, you know, I thought I did everything I could to connect with. But when I left and my successor came, um, she latched on and she's just sold out for Christ. My successor reached her in a way that I obviously couldn't. And I can take that and feel personally hurt. I can take that and feel... You know, just like, why was I doing this for, you know, five years or whatever? Or I can take that and look and say, I flung seed. The soil it landed on, not my problem. But something somewhere in this cosmic relationship between God and this person, something clicked with her that didn't click with me. Mm -hmm. And that just has to be okay. Paul a report comes back to Paul that there are people, other people, other than his network of people, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching it faithfully. They're preaching it well. And the people are like, well, we told them to stop. And Paul's like, why would you tell them to stop? Who cares who's preaching the gospel as long as the, the gospel's being preached? That has to be okay at some point in time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so I think that what we do, if, if it's not us, if it's not, you know, if they're not going to be receptive to us, I think what we do is we hold them in prayer. And we just continue to live our faith in such a way that they get curious. And maybe the next time their soil is more receptive. Mm-hmm. Maybe next time it really connects or it really hits. And maybe that's us, maybe it's someone else, but I think I don't think we ever give up. So yeah, you brought up in the sermon that um, the women had Jesus to touch so that the, the hope in Jesus for them was easy mm-hmm. to see. Right. Um, we don't have that. Right. How do we handle that? Like, what, as Christians who believe, sharing mm-hmm. that with others, how do we answer that question? Or how do we, how do we make it real for them? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that that's why our own personal experiences can have such power. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there are things that we, I mean, there's an old hymn called Blessed Assurance. Um, and uh, in that, Fanny Crosby talks about these, you know, these, these foretastes of the glory of God. As people of faith, I think we all know what those are like. Like there are things that we go through, there are things that we experience, there are conversations that we have that are just so, the divinity in them is just so palpable. Mm-hmm. The presence of God is so noticeable. There are moments in worship, there are moments in nature, there are moments just driving randomly down the road with our, in our vehicles, top, listening to praise music or maybe even not. There are things that we experience in our lives that make the presence of God real to us. When I was in college at Aberdeen, um, our praise band in the sanctuary was a full vocal quartet, um, an alto sax, an electric bass, a trumpet, a piano, and an organ, pipe organ. And that sometimes is a weird combination, especially the electric bass in there, but there was a day where we were singing and just the church was rocking and it was joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And it was the organ and the piano and the bass and the band and the vocal, just everything. That just so resonates in my head, as a, or even in my heart, as a time where I experience the presence of God in worship. I've sung that hymn a million times since then because it's joyful, joyful. Mm-hmm. but I've never experienced anything quite like that day. That's cool. That was a definite moment where the presence of God was just made known in worship. And like, I've had those moments, you know, fishing on the Missouri river. You know, I just have, I've, I've had those moments, you know, at, at camp. I've had those moments, you know, in, in, in church here too, hanging on to our hope in those moments. And they may not mean a thing to another person, but yet we know. And we can share from those experiences to help people know that it's possible. To help people know that it's possible for that line between our, div- our dirt and God's divinity to get so thin that we feel the presence of God. Mm-hmm. It's easier for us as believers, but yet, you know, for those that are outside or those that are, you know, maybe in a season of questioning or you know, just the soul wandering that we all do. When I'm in one of those seasons of struggle and someone else shares a story with me of a, of a time where they experience the presence of God, it really helps snap me back to a place of deep faith. Mm-hmm. So what's next week? 
yeah, so this upcoming week is really exciting because it is Camp Sunday um, here in the life of the church. It is mm-hmm. one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, the tomb that's behind us is coming down tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be putting up uh, camp stuff all over the front of the church on for awesome. Sunday. So we'll have a tent and a fire and other things and camping chairs and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, as an added bonus of Camp Sunday, uh, Christy Heflin, our site director from Lake Ponset, is going to be with us in worship. Cool. Um, for the first time since after COVID, we get to have our site directors back, which I'm really, really excited about. I'm really excited to have Christy come and, ex- and, and talk about what's happening at camp, give some updates about what's happening at Ponset, because there's been some changes in the last couple of years that people might not be aware of. Um, mm-hmm. Like we actually finally moved the maintenance shop out of the middle of camp. Mm-hmm which they've been talking about doing since I was a camper. And so the fact that it finally has happened is really awesome. She's also going to be introducing the 2022 camping curriculum, which is centered around the days of creation, which is going to be really, really fun, uh, make a really, really fun camp this summer. Um, and then we're also doing our traditional uh, goodie auction. Uh, the Chi Alpha kids are singing. They're going to be doing bells. It's just going to be a really, really fun Sunday and a really good opportunity to hear the message of the importance of camp and why camp matters. Awesome. Yeah. We've talked about this plenty and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it again next week. Yep. But the, the camping experience here or as a part of this church is amazing. And yes. I, it's the reason we're in this church to be completely honest, or one sure. of the reasons to be in this church is because of the camping opportunities for our kids. Yep. So two of our kids will be going yep. to camp this year. So It'll be very exciting. Well, very good. Well, thank us. Thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Uh, Join us again next week for Camp Sunday. Please come in person. It's fantastic. Or again uh, online or next week for the Cut for Time podcast. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.